Are you feeling the holiday warm and fuzzies? If you're looking for a way to give back this season, then look no further than KRCL, the community radio station that gives you the gift of good music and good times. Visit krcl.org to make your year-end gift today. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for punk rock farmers, DIY creatives, grassroots activists, and community builders. It's Friday. I'm Laura Jones, an Al Dynstrick Night Care CL's punk rock farmer. Joining me via Zoom. How you doing, Al? I'm doing good. It sure is great to be here, Laura. Thank you. As we record this, it's still warm before the storm, and I was just curious if anything was out in the garden popping its head up before the storm hits us. Nothing popping its head up. You have to lift up the cover to find out what's popping. <laughs> <laughs> you, still, you still have some hope like any good punk rock farmer. What's on the show tonight? We have exciting stuff on the show. Great stuff. Um, the Ogden Seed Exchange is happening this year and Greg Bat will be with us. But also there's been a development and uh, some really great news. And I think this is a great way to just end the end the year on a really wonderful note and uh the folks with Solstice Spices and Bonnie over at Crest Farms is what it used to be called I believe um they got an easement a tax easement and this is going to keep this patch of it's a four acre patch of land in Salt Lake City it's going to keep it actively an urban farm for an indefinite period again so it's a great thing amazing stuff great stuff that is so cool i can't wait to catch up with all of them and also start planting my seeds aldine we got skywatcher leo t coming up we're gonna fit in maybe another item or two for your holiday consideration but let's start where we always start we got some uh, some folks coming to town for a show at the state room in a while and we snagged the headliner al yes we did uh jeff crosby is I've known Jeff for a minute, and uh, it's really great to have you with us, Jeff. I'm, I'm really happy to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was excited to see the invite, man. It's been too long. It's been a while, hasn't it? So uh, a little backstory on this. Um, God, it's been five, six years, maybe. Yeah. And um, you, you, you recorded some of your first music here in Salt Lake City at Soundco with Mike Kirkland. Yeah, my uh, yeah, my first album actually I recorded down in my first full length album I recorded down there. Uh, gosh, what is it down there on Fifth and Sixth, I think. Yep. And uh, I actually lived in Salt Lake for like six months, and uh, kind of made me fall in love with the city there. I feel like Salt Lake's one of those towns. I'm from Boise originally, but uh, once I actually lived there for a minute, I I really love I love playing there. I love coming back there once, I, especially now that I know all the good restaurants and all the sweet spots. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, dinner at the Red Iguana and uh, lunch at Curry and Hurry and all the <laughs> yeah all the good spots. Oh yeah, but yeah, I have a lot of good uh, I have a lot of good memories in Salt Lake and I love the state rooms. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show. Revisit some old memories. That's so cool. So what do you, what have you been up to recently, Jeff? Like, um, what's you? You're on the road. You're in Vegas right now. You're promoting a new album. 
Yeah, yeah. I, so I did uh, something that, you know, I, I go back and forth with regretting and not regretting is uh, I put an album out about a month after we went into the Twilight Zone year of 2020. Uh, it, it was uh, scheduled, uh, it was coming out, it came out uh, April 20th last year. So about a month after we were all getting locked in our homes and all our shows canceled. So uh, we didn't really get to tour on the album. We had our whole, you know, big tour across the country cancel. And uh, so this year has been our uh, chance to go out and actually play the record for people. And in some ways it's been kind of good because everyone's got to, you know, kind of ruminate on it for a year. And now we're finally getting to go out and play the songs and people know them. So, um, yeah, so we're finally getting to bring it to Salt Lake. The album's called North Star and uh, we're, you know, just finally getting it out there and getting to play the songs live. We're going to hear North Star, the title track off Jeff Crosby's new record right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
Yo, ho, ho, and greetings. This is Robert Nelson, and on December 18th from 4 to 7 p.m. on Smile Jamaica, I and I am going to play Reggae Santa Claus. Dropping great roots Christmas tunes down your chimney, and I'm going to be assisted by my favorite elf, a.k.a. the general manager of KRCL, Tristan Tabish, and a year-end fundraiser for your station that rules the nation. Tune in, leave us a little year-end kindness, and find out if it's true that Santa Claus was an ancient astronaut. Smile Jamaica, December 18th, 4 to 7 p.m., krcl.org. A spaceman came traveling on a ship from far. It was light years of time. Support for KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op, a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at Mobile Moon Co-op. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here as we look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Look up in late dusk amongst the spectacular planets Venus, Saturn, and Jupiter stretching from southwest to the southeast and intertwining with the moon. Get the binoculars out and have a look for a new comet that is actually visible with binoculars or a telescope. It's been moving toward the horizon from above the bottom of the handle of the Big Dipper through some very interesting constellations, and it is moving a bit every night near the brightest spot in the sky here, bright supergiant Arcturus, well-named Comet Leonard has been moving toward the horizon every morning. You could possibly see some tail of the comet. By December 12th, it will be a mere 21.7 million miles away. That's pretty amazing for a comet. Then by the 14th, Comet Leonard will be visible in the night sky, which will make it more accessible and you can even see it with the naked eyes. Sky watchers should be able to view the comet in between the horizon and Venus right after sunset December 17th. In the early hours of December 18th as well, it will fade away every night, but we should be able to spot it with instruments all the way up to Christmas. Senior research specialist Greg Leonard discovered the comet on January 3rd, 2021 at the Mount Lemmon Observatory near Tucson, Arizona, when it was little more than a faint distant speck. Since then, it's inched steadily closer to both the sun and earth and will reach perihelion, or the closest approach to the sun on January 3rd, 2022, Comet Leonard's orbit takes it out of the Oort Cloud, a roughly spherical grouping of billions of comets that orbits the sun around a nearly quarter of the distance to the Alpha Centauri star system. Leonard has traveled for a brief visit to our solar system and slingshot back out to the Oort Cloud. And of course, not to be outdone, the Geminid meteor shower is at its best viewing the next few nights. At its peak, it should produce 100 or so meteors per hour, peaking December 12th. It's many cultures, one sky. On last week's episode, thinking about looking for life on Mars. Although we might find evidence of a past civilization, we are searching for small microbial life as well, leading to the story from Voltaire in 1752 of a 120,000 foot visitor to Earth. We thought the Earth was devoid of life until spotting a whale in the ocean and looking at it on its fingernail. Planetary scientist and author Sarah Stewart Johnson in her book The Sirens of Mars relates that while working in a lab and being directed to take apart a tiny fruit fly larva, studying it on the slide under her microscope and is directed to take its brain out and study it, she had just read this story about the giant and the whale and could not do it. 
took the slide she was studying down to the cafeteria and let the microbe be free in the plant. Sarah sees the value in life, small as well as large, and wonders if we should reevaluate how we treat life, whether a paramecian or 120,000 feet tall. Skywatcher Leo T. Many cultures, one sky. From Skywatcher Leo T, KRCL volunteer. Check tonight's show notes for a link to his Facebook page and all the sources from which he creates the report every week. All right, Aldine, just a couple of things I want to talk about, and that is there are plenty of opportunities to give back this holiday season. And uh, food drives, gift drives, clothing drives. Just go to krcl.org, click on Rallies and Resources, or on the homepage, there's those, you know, those funky sliders, those big photos, Al, and one of them says food, gift, and clothing drives. Find something that matches what you have to give and go and drop it off. You're going to be helping families in our community. So if you have the means, please choose something and give back this holiday season. Al, what are your plans for the Christmas table? I know we talked about this in the lead up to Thanksgiving, but... Uh, you got the farmer's market again tomorrow down at the Gateway. Are you perusing the wares and planning something uh, locally grown? <laughs> Always cruising the wares. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I bring that stuff home from the farmer's market. And I just look at what I have and I can, you can make a really, really A1 perfect dinner from just by going and and patronizing the, the winter farmer's market. It's the same as in the summer. There's a lot of the same products, no tomatoes, maybe no peppers, but you can get all your dairy and meats and you can get your cheeses there and, and some, sto- some of the store veggies, like um, the ones that store, like uh, squash and, and whatnot. I don't know what I'm planning this year. I'm planning that maybe we go on the road that weekend for Christmas. And while everybody's staying at home in their house, we're out cruising around and checking out the lie of the land. We'll see what happens. In the wilderness. All right. <laughs> Stand by, folks, for an update. There is a vigil coming up on Sunday Night Owl that I wanted people to know about, given the recent gun violence in our country. Earlier this week, I spoke with Nancy Halden of the Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah. Hey, Nancy, how are you? I'm just fine. Thanks so much for having us on your show. I always find it a hard question to ask of you and your organization, because if you're on, it's because something bad has happened or we're trying to prevent something from uh, happening around gun violence. There's a vigil this weekend. Tell us what's going on. So this vigil, this is actually an annual vigil that we've done. Uh, It's been nine years since the Sandy Hook school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut, where um, 20 first and second graders were shot and killed and six adults. And um, we sort of pause at this time of year to uh, remember... um, every year, the victims of gun violence in the United States. And we do that here in Utah. You sent me some really sad numbers in anticipation of this conversation. Can you kind of run the numbers for us? Yeah, so we don't have the 2021 numbers. Those don't come out until sometime, you know, mid next year. But we do have the numbers for 2020 for Utah, and they're discouraging. Um we had 429 uh, gun deaths in Utah in 2020, and that was a record high. That was, um, and and actually, not only the numbers went up, but people often ask, you know, because we are a growing population, but the rate is going up and has been 
above the national average for gun deaths in Utah. So we're concerned. We're very concerned about that and sad. It's a public health issue. It is. It is a public health issue. So the vigil again, Sunday night, where and when and what should we be prepared to do to participate? Mm -hmm. It's a candlelight vigil. We will um, remember um, individuals uh, who have died in gun violence, uh, especially Utahns, but um, we will also be remembering those four students that died in Oxford High School in Michigan recently in a school shooting. Um, and so, uh, but it's a very quiet service. It's, it's uh, some songs, it's some readings, and it's some candle lighting uh, to honor those people and also to honor the families um, who are still suffering, who are still missing people because of gun violence. So again, the time and the address. Mm-hmm. And it will be at 7 p.m. And it's um, at Community of Grace Presbyterian Church in Sandy this year. Um, and that is... 2015 East Newcastle Drive in Sandy. And what is the website for your organization so folks can get in touch um, and get yes. involved? So it's uh, gvpc.org. Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah. Nancy, thank you for your time and all the work you do in our community to keep this on our radar. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Check tonight's show notes for a link to Sunday Night's Vigil with the Gun Violence Prevention Center of Utah. Got the seed swap coming up with Greg Bat and Aldine in just a bit, but there is an art exhibit opening tonight up in Ogden that I wanted you all to know about. It's called Land Body, which is opening at Ogden Contemporary Arts this month. Female artists exploring connections between the desert landscape and the human body at the OCA in Ogden. Let's pass the microphone and find out more. Vanessa and Kelly, will you introduce yourselves to our listeners, please? Vanessa, you go first. Sure. I'm Vanessa Castagnoli. I'm the executive director here at Ogden Contemporary Arts. And I'm Kelly Carper, and I am the curator for the exhibition. All right. So where did the idea come from for this particular exhibition, Kelly? Um, So this show, I actually started with uh, one of the artists who we're talking to today, Wendy Wisher. um, And I invited her to the space uh, because Wendy has such a um, dynamic body of work. And Oka is set up really well for sculpture and digital and installation art. Um, and there was a new piece that Wendy was working on that I'll let her talk about, but was specifically um, on this topic. And so it was really kind of the conversations around that piece that that sort of sparked the concept uh, for the show. And it just grew from there with local artists um, and then some artists from out of state as well. In fact, 11 artists from Arizona, New Mexico and right here in Utah, we have Wendy Wisher and Jacqueline Wright. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Jacqueline and Wendy, I'd love to hear more about the art forms and what you have in this land body exhibit. Jacqueline, do you want to go first? The way in which I'm interacting with the landscape um, really came to sort of exist in my work when I moved from Chicago to Salt Lake about three and a half years ago um, and began sort of exploring the West Desert specifically and sort of learning a lot and researching a lot about the complexity, particularly of the West Desert, um, which includes, you know, the Dugway Proving Ground, the Utah Test and Training Site, Um, Of course, there's a new prison being built on the edge of the West Desert, um, which really was uh, part of the Great Salt Lake. But because of um, decreasing water levels, it's no longer, uh, you know, sort of 
part of the floodplain um, from that. And so uh, that began my interest in the landscape out in the American West. Um, but specifically, my work that's included in the exhibition, there's two pieces. Um, one of them is a double panel piece that's on uh, dye sublimation print on aluminum. Um, and the piece is a photograph of an installation that I created in my studio that incorporates multiple found objects um, at uh, sites that are used for target practice, um, particularly these sites that I am visiting, um, one of which is in the Stansbury Gulch on Stansbury Island, is especially littered with uh, the residue of target practice, which includes like large non-biodegradable objects like refrigerators and washing machines, um, also tiny, tiny fragments of lead and other and plastic and other materials um, from objects that have been obliterated. So these objects sort of have come into my studio. Uh, they're photographed on a backdrop that is taken, uh, a photograph that's taken in the West Desert. So really sort of simulating um, the landscape in my studio. Um, and then the other piece is a photograph from a performance piece um, where I'm using a lot of those objects as well, um, where it integrates the body more specifically or explicitly. Um, and I created uh, body suits that are then worn with uh, clay pigeon, a clay pigeon bikini that I've created from found <laughs> uh, clay pigeons. Okay. Um, and so really speaking to these ideas around uh, rugged individualism, the who has access, um, who is able to use the land, a history, a very clear history of violence, um, and also thinking about the role that photography has played in perpetuating uh, a lot of propaganda around rugged individualist ideals in the American West, um, which dates back to really the uh, beginning of photography's uh, existence. Um, and so sort of playing into some of those tropes as well. Um, and so really the work is a, an opportunity or a way for me to address the history of violence, access land use, um, and of course the relationship to capitalism, manifest destiny, and power. Jacqueline Wright, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing that in person up at Ogden Contemporary Arts. We also have artist Wendy Wisher. Wendy, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a bit about yourself and then the uh, works that you have and the medium in which you operate for Land Body. Um, well, thanks again for having me. Um, I am uh, have been in Utah now since 2012. I moved here from Miami. And so really have been gaining an understanding of how unique this landscape is, not only its history, you know, geographically, but also the controversy around stakeholdership. Um, and so this, I have four pieces in the show. Um, one of the main pieces is a video projection onto a faux landscape where I'm comparing land ownership management and policy around notions of the female body ownership management and policy. And when I first came up with this idea, um, it was because I was reading a lot of different things and I noticed some of the same language being used. And, you know, there's always um, every once in a while, in for, you know, on the news, more and more controversy around women's bodies and specifically around issues of abortion and privacy and ownership. Um, and so I con conceived of this idea and got a Digital Matters grant from the university where I'm an associate professor. Which university? And, um, I'm kind of telling this story in a, a non-linear fragmented way. And also um, some of the, it's both private and public. There's imagery of land. Um, I'm also revealing a female body every two inches with kind of an insertion camera that we normally put down drains. 
I'm using police body cameras um, of a woman at night in the wilderness, kind of this idea of um, surveillance, but also the gaze. And then some text and definitions around the words private and public, ownership, viability, thriving, all of this very contemporary um, today in, in the news. And then also the, the one of the second pieces I have is around Bears Ears and Escalante. And I show the borders, both the former and current borders in mirror. And so the viewer sees themselves and then doesn't see themselves after it was cut in 2017 by Trump, 85% and 47%, and recently reinstated in October by the Biden administration. But we currently have a lawsuit from the legislatures in Utah kind of fighting that and protests around that. So both of these pieces are just, it's amazing to me how relevant they are as I've been installing the exhibition. This is just two artists, Kelly. Is this everything that you were hoping for in putting Land Body together? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a wide variety of work in the show that um, continues this thread and others, you know, around the environment um, and emotional connections and cultural histories and uh, female identity. Um, so it's, it's a really uh, dynamic show that I'm, I'm just really excited about it. And it also shows all these connections that they, you know, woman's body, land policy, um, what's happening in the West Desert. It's not happening over there, over there, and over there. It's all tied together. And I'm guessing that's kind of what you're hoping folks walk away from Vanessa when they come to Ogden Contemporary Arts, the connections that we all have. And art can be that connective tissue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're a nonprofit art organization and um, in our mission, we talk about, you know, providing diverse um, programming that can reach our entire community, not only reach our entire community, but also, um, you know, the, the, in, we want to be inclusive, right? We, we, we want everyone to feel comfortable coming into our space. Contemporary art galleries can be very intimidating, to those that maybe aren't familiar with contemporary art, you know, that went to school for it and studied it for years. Um, you know, we're really trying to bring in everyone. Um, and I think that um, our programming this past year, we've only been open since November of 2020, and then we had to shut our doors and then open again. So we're still very new, but I feel like um, bringing on curators like Kelly Carper and our last show, Jorge Rojas and Maria Del Mar Gonzalez Gonzalez, um, we're, I think we're reaching the topics that our community cares about. And I, I think we're, we're living by our mission. Now tell folks where Ogden Contemporary Arts is up there in Ogden. Yeah, so we're at, our address is 455 25th Street in Ogden, and it's in, in the Monarch building. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar, any of, how many of our listeners are familiar with the Monarch, but it's a massive building. There's a ton of creative studio spaces here. Um, we just opened a art plaza next door, the Donkey Art Plaza, uh, and um, it's, it, we're right in the heart of the creative district in Ogden. And what's the website so folks can check you out? Yeah, so we're OgdenContemporaryArts.org. Well, Vanessa, Kelly, Wendy, and Jacqueline, thank you so much, and congratulations on the opening of Land Body at Ogden Contemporary Arts. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Sounds like a fantastic reason to head to Ogden, folks. The Land Body exhibit opens tonight and runs through February. All right, Al, another event happening in the new year up in Ogden. Let's get our friends on from the Ogden Seed Exchange. Hey, I'm really excited to talk seeds here and Seed Swap Seed Exchange with Greg Bat from the Ogden Seed Exchange, folks. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, Al. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, it, it's um, 
you know, it's, it's a highlight of the year for me. Last year was a little bit of a drag because we weren't able to meet in person. And um, I got a few, a few takes on, and I got some seeds out to a few people and that was cool, but boy, I'm really looking forward to being able to meet with everybody. It sure is a wonderful community that you guys build up there in Ogden. Thank you. Yes. It's just sure not the same uh, virtual with something like sharing seeds with the community through the mail or meeting in a parking lot. Just not the same. You kind of feel guilty sometimes like people are watching thinking something <laughs> shady's going down. Let's talk a little bit about importance of, of saving seed and uh, native seed from our area. Let's call the importance of individual saving seed, but even more so the community, like neighborhood seed, let's call it. Yeah, you know, people uh, that we talk to, they wonder about, oh, we've got these seeds that are in, you know, Svalsbard or some of these doomsday vaults. That's going to you know, be a safe thing for us to have food someday. But it's really not. And we uh, at Ogden Seed Exchange and any, uh, any seed saving organization really believes that those seed banks or vaults are in the communities. We got a, a living seed bank in our communities and you know if we if we need seeds we know who we can go to so in the past oh it's this thing's been going on is it 11 or 12 years this time 12 yeah this will be the 12th annual seed swap yeah 12 years and then a number of years ago it's been quite a while it was more restricted to you wanted people to just bring their own seeds and this is building building that seed bank that you're talking about here in utah yeah the last the last um probably three this will be the third year or fourth year that uh we really have tried to restrict it to seeds grown at least in our bioregion but as local as possible because, uh, you know, the seeds adapt to our climate, our soils, and th that just kind of promotes why one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. It, it means that you can rely on these seeds having been ac acclimatized, Greg. Acclimatized, exactly. So, so Greg, uh, let's explain this a little bit. It's at, it's at, the, it's at Ogden Prep. And yeah. it's a big room. It's a gymnasium and it gets full and, and there's a big buzz and a lot of people really enjoy this event. We, we are really uh, fortunate to be able to have the, the school allow us to use that space at Ogden Preparatory Academy. Um, in February, uh, Saturday, the 20th, is it the 28th, 26th, 26th. And uh you know, it's a it's a big open room. There, there's a lot of uh, you know five six hundred people in a room, and it gets a little noisy and it gets a little uh, social. So you know, we'll we'll have some recommendations, and as long as our 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 state regulations allow us to meet like that, we're really excited to go back to to meeting as a group and inviting people to join us. So it's not just not just the seed seed exchange. You have some workshops and some things going on. What do you got planned for this? Yeah. So there's uh, there's a few things. You know, you can expect uh, uh, a community exchange seed table uh, where you can either drop off seeds, um, 
There will be uh, the Utah State Extension Office uh, volunteers will be helping with some of that and questions is a good resource there. Uh, there's a table with activities for kids and adults. Um, we typically have uh, some seed starting, um, um, transplanting activities, uh, things like that. There's a table that you could try your hand at cleaning seeds, dry seeds uh, with some screens. And then we do have uh, these little breakout sessions. Um, we always have like a why we're saving seeds, kind of the basics uh, and promoting uh, a bigger, more full workshop in the spring. And then uh, this year we're gonna have uh, somebody talk about timing planting in the garden as well as a little soil health. And that most likely uh, will be John from, from uh, um, what is it called? Foodscape in Utah. Very cool. Very cool. And one of the things I wanted to know about participating is I don't have to have homegrown saved seeds necessarily, but I do need to remember to bring envelopes or Ziplocs so I can trade or buy seeds. Right, Greg? That's right. Something to to take your seeds home with you. Um, some people will have them pre-packaged. We will have also vendors, um, local and at least from our bioregion, um, some small startup seed companies that will be joining. And you do not have to bring your own seeds. Um, obviously that's what we're about. Our main mission is to get people to try saving their own seeds and to share with other people. Um, and, you know, we, we promote that, you know, bring your seeds. Uh, people seem to be a little timid about trying it, but we, we, through the workshops, we, uh, we give people confidence to give it a, give it a shot because it's, uh, it's not that hard, especially some more than others are easier. And we, we teach people that, which ones you should start with that are a little easier, less technical. So yeah, you don't need to bring seeds. Just come and enjoy the, the atmosphere, pick up some seeds. Uh, the seeds you get at the swap are going to be more likely ones that you want to start uh, with in your own uh, ventures in seed saving. So that's another benefit. Excellent. So let's give the basics one more time so folks can get it on their calendar, Greg. Uh, Ogden Seed Exchange, having the seed swap February 26th. It's a Saturday at... Uh, Ogden Preparatory Academy. 10 to 1, Al. We'll put it in the show notes, okay? 10 to 1. Yep. Well, you have the poster you can you can share with people. Thanks so much, Greg. Oh, yeah. The poster is really cool. Check tonight's show notes. I really, really like the poster this year. It's fantastic. We're excited. Thanks so much, Greg. I look forward to seeing you soon. You too, Al, and anybody else there that's uh, that's coming on up to Ogden. We'll, uh, we'll greet you at the door with a smile and send you home with some seeds. <laughs> You better bring seeds, Al, because I... Uh, I will. I, ne I need some that you have. I will. You know I will. Thank you, Laura and Al. Appreciate it. We've got time for another song from our featured musician tonight, Jeff Crosby, who's coming to town uh, the 18th over at the State Room with support from Triggers and Slips. Jeff, um, you mentioned a bit about putting an album out right as COVID hit, but you, you keep making music. You, you're not stopping. Yeah, well, I had a lot of time to, as we all, all musicians did, you know, we had a lot of time to write more music. So I ended up writing a ton of songs while we were uh, kind of locked up and not touring on North Star. 
Um, so this is one of the first ones I wrote. I ended up running, I ended up moving from Nashville during the pandemic and going back up to Idaho where I'm from. And uh, this is a song for Valley County. And uh, this one features my, my friend Cody Braun from a Austin, Texas band, Reckless Kelly. Um, he's playing fiddle on this one. And uh, I just love how it came out. He kind of, he kind of captured exactly what I was trying to do with it. So one for, one for Idaho. Okay, this is the new single from Jeff Crosby, Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. It's running free. Used to run around a couple hours from here Smoking cigarettes and drinking cheap black I'm moving to the city with you Daydream about the people we'd be in ten years Now I'm out of town but I'm still knee deep In the coast of California on the Tennessee Left turn right and right turn wrong Still looking for a city that belongs to me Every time I close my eyes, I'm back at 83615 and I'm running free. Every time I close my eyes, I'm back at 83615 and I'm running free. Just getting old enough to have some good old days. Start to wonder if I gave my youth. Think about what I'd have done differently In a different time, in a different place Not everybody's married up and raising their kids Still tell myself that the shoe wouldn't fit But I watch her laugh from across the room and I wonder if I'll ever let her pull me in Every time I close my eyes I'm back at 83615 And I'm running free Every time I close my eyes I'm back at 83615 And I'm running free Running Grab 
ribbon ornament from the Giving Tree and help thousands of homeless pets that stay at the Salt Lake County Animal Services throughout the year. For a list of needed items, visit AdoptUtahPets.org. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Aldine Strickland, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, is here because it is Punk Rock Farmer Friday. And Aldine, it's time for the Urban Farm Report. And we have such good news in this conversation, Al. This is great news. And when I found out this, it really warmed my heart. And it really made me feel good inside when I heard that this, uh, you know, we work together with the community and folks put a word out. And this tax easement, which, which... If it went away, it really could have taken this spot away. That's been, uh, it's a very, it's a hidden spot. It's in Salt Lake City. It's behind a 7-Eleven. It's four acres and there's a lot (laughs) of food being grown there. It's really, really cool. Um, Bonnie, the proprietor and the Solstice Spikes folks, uh, Heather and Tony are with us. Bonnie, how about just a little history on the farm? I know your grandfather used to farm this. And uh, I think Tony told me something about watercress. There was watercress being produced there. We have nearly four acres and we call it Crest Farm. We have a couple of ponds where our uh, our artesian wells run into the ponds. That's that's what we use to pump to water. And uh, watercress grows there. This summer, we have a very low crop because we had a lovely um, group of Canada geese that instead of just getting hatched in the spring and leaving, decided to stay the entire year. As much as we tried to get rid of them, they stayed. <laughs> they had seven children. You know, usually um, wild animals lose some of their children. These are really good parents. They managed to for the second year in a row, raised seven children. So by the time we had nine very large birds eating watercress, right at the moment, what we have is watercress seed, but it's it's out there. We'll nurture it. We'll have it next year. This property was bought um, about 1905 by my grandfather. He came from Kentucky. I think maybe this was the closest thing he found in Salt Lake to, uh, to Kentucky. Uh, my grandmother cried when they moved here because... Uh, it was halfway to Provo in her estimation, <laughs> and the nearest neighbor was, you know, acres away. My dad loved, loved growing up here, and I had the charm of growing up here. Uh, when my dad was 90, he said, I'd like to talk to you about the farm, and we call it a farm. We know it's, it's a small farm. We call it a farm anyway. He said, I'd like to keep it green, and I'll understand if you don't want to keep it because it's very expensive to maintain and it's very labor intensive to maintain. So if you don't want to keep it, I'll give it to the county as a park. And of course, my son and daughter and I in, you know, in one fell swoop said, of course we want it. Of course we'll keep it green. But that was easy to promise because he was 90 and he was the one keeping it green. This last year has been really hard to keep green. It is the hottest summer. I said to somebody, if I want to live in Phoenix, I'd move to Phoenix. But For a short time, we had both a broken pump and no irrigation. And one fine day, uh, Tony Peters, our farmer, one of our farmers, and our wonderful neighbor decided to fix that problem because I could probably go to the store and buy and replace the food that I grow in my planter boxes, but I didn't want them to lose their crops. So they went up 
upstream and found out what was holding up irrigation. And then they went to however many places to get parts for the pump and got it going again. So many, many thanks to Tony. And then along, <laughs> along about July, I got a lovely letter from Salt Lake County saying, you know what? We've decided not to do urban farming anymore. Uh, in the legislature, a lot of other counties wanted to include grazing. And so we don't want to have to deal with uh, losing the tax money on all those people that want to grow, you know, want to have one acre and one horse. So we're not going to do this anymore. And uh, I assembled about 20 people down at the county. I will say that our, our um, commissioners and uh, the county attorney and another group of people and Tony and my son and I went down. They were very sympathetic to our, um, to our plight, but they just didn't want to lose that tax money. And we pointed out all the reasons why it's good for Salt Lake County to have us here. We also pointed out to them that when we started this, uh, the Peters and I were told that not only did you have to have what, what, what was then two to five acres, later one to five acres, but that we also had to grow crops for humans and we had to have our own water. We, we couldn't use city water to grow crops. And we had to report once a year how much they'd sold because they were gonna expect tax money on that. And we had to re-sign up for the next year. Wow, they I made point, that difficult. I pointed out to them the first couple of years, they actually sent somebody out from the county to make sure that Tony and Heather were actually farming. Wow. And so uh, we went through this back and forth. One of our state uh, senators, Gene Davis, got involved, said he'd want to help us any way he could. And I got this wonderful uh, letter uh, while I was out of town for Thanksgiving that said, we have, re we have reviewed your request to be grandfathered. And... Um, it says the continued assessment of your parcel under the urban farming assessment is based on equitable principles because we pointed out to them that we depended on this and the Peters had depended on this for the last six years. It was their, it was their plan. It was their, their rules. We played by all of them. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really fair to take away our tax exempt, our tax reduction and their, their livelihood in which they had spent about $50,000 over that time frame, without any compensation. So they have given this, they have continued it on equitable principles. It sounds like some, attorney, some attorneys have been involved in this. It said it is subject to the following conditions and, and you know there would be some if onlys. Your parcel continues to meet the requirements of the act. Okay, we plan to do that, whatever. The county reserves the right to review the grandfather status and revoke such status if the current equitable circumstances no longer exist. If the parcel fails to qualify for assessment under the act, the parcel may not reapply. I'm not sure what that means, okay. If the parcel is removed from assessment, the rollback still applies, so we still get cut for back taxes, and we have to submit a yearly application between January 1st and 31st. So I think we dodged a bullet. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep, if there's another problem in the future, we'll fight that on another day. But I told Heather and Tony, whatever happened to the taxes, we want them here because we need their help to keep this place green. <laughs> we love having all that food go out 
once a week to the farmer's market and to restaurants. I'm really proud of them. Congratulations. Oh, fantastic. And Al, just think, if you hadn't gone on that punk rock farmer garden tour, we wouldn't have not have met Bonnie. We would not have been able to amplify their cause. So just uh, I just love the connections that, that we've been making here through Punk Rock Farmer Friday. And Heather and Tony, congratulations. Looks like you got the farm as long as you don't forget the paperwork between January 1st and 31st. Yeah, that's great news. We're really excited. Really a, really a legacy, boy. This is a legacy. This is a piece of land that has been farmed for years and years and years. And, and six years is a pretty darn good run just to, to begin with. We know all the problems that the farmers always have. The land goes away. The, the water isn't always there. We're farming in the city. This is a really great win, a big win. And I'm so excited for everyone involved in this. Thanks, you guys, for doing what you do. You should be aware that there's at least one other property that was grandfathered. It's close to four acres. Sounds like they have quite a lot of uh, um, trees as well as, as farming. So I'm happy to say that there's at least one other property that has been grandfathered under this same iteration. And when we wrote them our letter requesting the grandfathering, we did include the nearly 70 uh, signatures that uh, we picked up at Tony and Heather's um, dinner last summer, who said they were willing, they were Salt Lake County residents and they were willing to support this. And then they took, uh, they took more sheets off to the farmer's market. So we submitted those and we told them that you'd had it on your radio station and that you'd gotten multiple, multiple calls. So that was part of our, our marketing campaign for Urban Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Al. Love it. Yeah, it was great. Great to be a part of this for sure in, in any small way. Um, what a great win. Why don't, why don't you guys, uh, Tony uh, or Heather, why don't you guys tell a little bit about What's going on? Because I know you guys are geared up for the holiday season. You got a lot of spices coming out. I, I know this is a good, big time of year for you guys. Yeah, definitely. We're um, doing a lot of holiday orders, as you said. Um, please reach out to us. We do a lot of custom orders. So, you know, if you have neighbors you want to buy gifts for or a company gift or you know, any kind of combination. If you want to set up an eight pack gift box or something like that, we can do kind of anything that you have in mind. So reach out to me and, and let me know what you're thinking and we'll make it work. Tony, you're looking forward to farming for another six years on this plot? Yeah, I mean, our original goal was to get through uh, my son's school. So that puts us at about three more years right now for the first short-term goal. So we can get to that point, then we'll, I guess, reevaluate from there. But so far, it looks like it's back to work for me. <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes about the visit that you did, Al. But I'm, I'm just, was this, was this a relief or did you have faith, Tony and Heather, that this would happen? I kind of thought they would do the right thing, especially since there's only one or two of us out there that are in this kind of predicament. I thought it would take a lot longer. I thought they would go with the legislative route and it would be a long time problem, but I'm glad they did the way they did it and just grandfathers in for now, as long as we keep it going, it seemed like we're pretty safe. Such, such, such good. I mean, this is a great, a great 
it's a good thing to give <laughs> put out there for the holidays it's a great thing that happened this year um kind of wraps up the year and let's look forward to the next one you know let's let's keep going let's keep farming let's keep feeding people absolutely and i just wanted to say thank you to al and laura and all the community cheers yeah yeah you guys are amazing. Well, I just wanted to know what you're planning new for the next growing season because, you know, we we're talking about seeds earlier, right? I got to start thinking this through and uh, planning what I want to plant. Have you guys already started outlining the next growing season, Tony and Heather? Yeah, yeah we pretty much streamlined it in the past few years to grow mainly for the spices. So we grow lots of herbs, lots of chilies, and then a few other distinct things. And then our next biggest thing is heirloom tomatoes, which we grow a ton of. So it's pretty much the same, not too much uh, deviating from the norm. By the way, Al was thrilled that you let him come over and do some gleaning in your <laughs> at your farm. All those yeah, tomatoes and peppers. I think you found a couple tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have. But you've got your garlic in already, don't you, Tony? Yep, garlic's been planted. I have a, I have oh, a good twenty big packages of tomato of tomatoes in the freezer that say Tony San Marzano on them. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been making sauce with them already. A little getting into the winter, you know, you want to taste that garden over again. Boy, oh boy, it's really nice. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Tony. Of course. I've got a, a, a kind of a pro tip I'm hoping to get from you and Heather before we're done here, because I'm thinking more herbs this next season, because I'm not sure where I'm going to be housewise. And so I'm thinking, you know, container gardening and, and herbs seem really doable. What's your pro tip, whether it's in the ground or in a container in terms of getting a really healthy yield from your herbs over there at Solstice Spice? Containers can be a little bit tricky just because it's so hot and dry here. You really have to make sure they don't get too much of that late afternoon sun and then plenty of water. And then, of course, fertilizer. And I've been a big fan of the biochar, too, after this year. Local product, yep. Which I think we'd definitely go with more of. And I would also like to add in, you need to use them. You have to cut them. You have to harvest them. <laughs> ah, so how many harvestings or cuttings would you do in your, in your fields every year? We kind of are based around the farmer's market with... Uh, harvesting so we do like one big harvest every week that goes down to the market and then as far as the spices go it's sort of a as needed basis we go through and get a couple garbage bags full of oregano at once if we needed to nothing like having the oregano Psst, hey i got some oregano here you want some oregano? i just have this vision of you guys you spice dealers so how can folks <laughs> catch up and get those spice spices to stuff those spices to stuff stockings with Al, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> the best thing to do is just reach out to me personally, um, Heather at solsticespices.com. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you. And I, can I also say, I forgot to, thanks to Bonnie. She's amazing. And thanks to our family. <laughs> well, since you, since this is a project through your son's uh, high school, I think I better start talking to him about going on to college and maybe graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> a farm's got to do a lot here, Heather and Tony, so keep it up. Keep it up. Good stuff. Really great stuff. It was great to have you guys with us today. Yeah. Thanks so much. And, you know, we'll do it again sometime for sure. Thanks for having us. Thanks for your help in getting this done. Thanks, you guys. Happy holidays. Thank you.
Hey, Al, that's our show. We got time for another one from Jeff Crosby. Jeff, it's great. To, it's been great to talk to you and have you here. Um, you're playing at the state room with some local boys, uh, Triggers and Slips, coming up on the 18th. We'll look forward to having you here in Salt Lake. Yeah, I can't wait to be back, man. It's one of my favorite venues. And uh, I got to mention real quick how uh, happy I am you, you reached out to me. KRCL was, is still one of the best radio stations. I remember when I lived there and discovered you guys. I, uh, I still listen to it wherever. Even when I was living over in Nashville, I, I still used to stream Carousel all the time. So uh, thanks for having me on. So tell us about the single before we play it, Un-American, brand new. Yeah, so this one, I was in this real uh, kind of obsessed with John Mellencamp phase. And uh, so it's got this just kind of chunky, telly thing, which uh, Al hopefully will dig. But uh, it's uh, it was inspired by, you know, just starting to go out to the bars again after we've all been kind of hiding in our houses. And, you know, we started coming out of our caves and, just hearing the, you know, the uh, the endless argument on uh, what it means to be American and who is American and what is an American. And I heard these guys have this conversation where I heard them say, well, that's un-American about 50 times while sitting next to them. And uh, I went home and wrote this song that night. And uh, it's not as political as it sounds. I guess it was just coming more from the stance of, uh, you know, how we all just have such a, you know, such a different, we can have such a different perspective of what that even means. Yeah, I don't think it's overly political, but uh, I love how it came out. And, uh, I've recorded this with my friend Greg Williams over in Portland, Oregon. This is unre- unreleased, un-American. Jeff Crosby, right here, fresh and homegrown on CareCL 90.9 FM. Waiting out the storm God damn, I need a teacher like my whole life I've been stuck watching from the bleachers Would you put me in a game, coach? Or would you just put me down? The world's spinning under my feet Yeah, I'm just standing around Yeah I got 